Travis Kelsey speaks on the Chris Jones situation, and there's a couple new Chiefs we need to talk about. That and more on the Casey Laboratory. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Thank you all so much for coming and hanging out with us. Sorry we're a tad bit late. We are just keeping in tradition with our new friends at Only Weird Games. Uh, which we are quite excited to have, and, and we just decided to do a little five-minute salute to them real quick before we started. Maddie Lane, what's good? You know, I I like I like us playing uh, homage to them. Um, I think that's a great way to homage or homage. Um, I perfectly split that and down the middle so that somebody's <laughs> ears could hear whichever one they wanted because I wasn't sure in the moment which one I wanted. Zorro Yanis. So I was just scooting it right down the middle so that way everybody would hear it. It's either one. Whichever one sounded best to them, that's what they were getting until you called it out. While I was also trying to send a tweet and watch Florida-Utah, college football's on. Shout out college football starting back up too. So there's a lot happening in my life, Kent. Uh, yeah, but thrilled to have Only Weird Games here. Uh, really excited that they're here. If you didn't know, Josh Briscoe, Seth Kaiser, Nate Taylor now doing their podcast here on KC Sports Network. Beyond excited to have them. Their first two shows uh, since we last went are on uh, on KC Sports Network's channel, so you can find the Tuesday episode and the Thursday episode. Uh, we are thrilled to have them here at KC Sports Network. Yes, even Joshua Briscoe. Uh, we have a lot to talk today uh, about, and one of the things that ju- just recently popped up, and we were going to just start the show with the new additions to this to this team, and we're still going to get into them, but there is a clip out from New Heights, from Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey's podcast that is quite interesting. Um, it is the first, I mean, it's it's a very pointed, it's very pointed comments. The most pointed comments I think we've seen from any player to this point in the whole Chris Jones saga, Maddie. I mean, I think so. Um, it, okay, so like, first of all, I think you got to like come into this like with uh, a wide open mind and say, okay, this is also could be not I don't want to say a joke, but you gotta take this super seriously. You don't gotta take it word for word. Travis Kelsey is sitting there with his brother Jason Kelsey. They are talking the concept of Chris Jones and any updates come up and Travis Kelsey immediately starts to go into a little bit of a joke about it, you know, at talking real scared and timid. But he kind of comes out of it and it it almost plays as if like it's just like a little bit of moment of real and it could be still part of the bit. That's why I want to lead with this. It could very much still be part of a bit for a podcast. You know, we're sitting here doing the same thing. There's a lot of bits that get thrown around on air that aren't exactly 100% true or how somebody thinks, right? So that being said, Travis Kelsey goes on to, you know, just say, and I think the the most important part of this, he doesn't get it. He repeats, I don't get it. He makes it very clear that he doesn't understand. His face looks like somebody that is a little confused by Chris Jones not being with the Chiefs right now. And at first, I... When I first heard that, I was wondering, in my mind, is that directed at Chris Jones? Is that directed at the team or the entire situation? That's immediately where my mind went. Is that where you kind of went with it, Kent? Um, yeah, maybe like a little. Like it could he could interpret it both ways. I, you know, the the it starts out with like, "Hey, please come back, man. You're scaring me." And like that sounded a little bit funny, but it felt like he struggled to complete sentences after that. 
And it was like teetering on the line of, do I want to say this? Do I not want to say this? And that was the tone that was kind of interesting to me. Like I pull it up on, you know, you must know something I don't, I don't get it. You know, those kind of comments, it was just, it was just fascinating to hear some, whether or not it was joking, whether or not, you know, there was some jokes to it. There were, there were statements made within that, that are worth paying attention to because whether or not he's joking, like he said it and there's probably, I don't know how much, how much lighthearted it is. Like, it seems like it could be a, you know, it could be one of the leaders of the Chiefs really wanting to see him here week one of the season so that they can be at full speed for the start of the year. You don't, and like, look, there's not a lot of opportunities for players in Kansas City, platforms in Kansas City to do what Travis Kelsey does. This is literally, I think, the only podcast on the team is Travis Kelsey's podcast. It's an opportunity for a leader on that team. The most veteran chief on the roster right now. One that has, you know, been... Um, I'm not going to blame Chris for, be, for not being as amenable on a contract as, as Travis Kelsey has. But this is somebody that has taken less money to be here. That has been amenable with his contracts. Saying stuff like, please come back. You're scaring me. I don't get it. You must know something I know. I don't like we need you like I mean we need you back of course you need you back but like those whether or not you're joking that got on air that he signed off on on that being on the show like he 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 signed his name to it even if there was a hint of of joke a couple in a couple of the comments I I don't know man it doesn't I I think there's I think there's a lot of truth in what he said I thought that it went from like definitely joking to a little bit of serious. Like my read on it was it did get, I don't want to say super serious because like you never know someone's intention over this kind of spot. But I I do think there was some truth behind it, whether even if there was a jokes behind it, right? Like a lot of jokes have a hint of truth to them. And I think there was some truth there. I So when I first said at the beginning, I didn't know if this was going to be directed at the team, at Chris Jones, the player, at the situation in general. That's how I entered the conversation with it. As it progressed, I left the I left the little segment talking about Chris Jones having zero doubts that whether it was joking or not, it was directed at Chris Jones. I mean, there was nothing in there that was directed towards the Chiefs need to do something that Brett Veach or the front office need to do something. It was kind of like, hey, I want to win another Super Bowl with you. I want you to come play for the Chiefs. I don't get what's happening. We need you back here. Like, it was very directed at him. He, any football player is never going to tell another guy not to get the most money he can, but this was about as towing that line as I think you can without saying, hey, come take less money and come win a Super Bowl like other guys maybe have done for this organization. Again, I'm not putting words in anyone's mouth. This is 100% my takeaway from what was said during, you know, said from Travis Kelsey during this podcast with his brother. That was my takeaway from it. He went up to the line of saying, hey, I know you want to get paid right now, but you should come back and try to win another Super Bowl like some other guys have because I don't get what's happening right now. Well, and you don't have to put words in his mouth either because he said, I mean, he said some pretty, like it's pointed. It's it's very pointed stuff. Like, you're scaring me. I don't get it. You must know something I don't. Those are not comments that you will hear on a podium from any Chiefs player. Now, to your point, Maddie. The, the, it's a different it's a different platform and it's a different environment in different setting so like that is definitely you know it, it's not button up business professional 
commentary like you get in a press conference. But both Kelsey brothers sign their names to everything they put on there too. So yeah. that's that's the thing that's you don't see this very often. And you know, we don't it's not it's not our job to you know I don't know how I'm gonna say this. It's it's not our job to try to take that comment and just say that applies to the entirety of that team. That's how all these team uh, all his teammates are feeling or anything like that. But it does feel like there is at least a sentiment from Travis Kelsey about him wanting to be here, wanting him to be here and wanting him to be here, not August 31st, you know? And that's that's what's so fascinating to me is there's not very many opportunities that we're going to hear a player comment on a negotiation like this as we just did. No, I mean, I agree. I I think that was walking right up to the line of didn't interject himself into the into the negotiation, right? He did not put himself into anything about the money. He didn't say one side or the other should change anything that what they're doing. It was just the, hey, we really want you here. We want you to come back. It was just the tones and the saying, I don't get it, saying things like, please come back. It's scaring me that he wants to win another Super Bowl with you, that he's bargaining for you to come play for the Chiefs. None of that is aimed at the team. None of that is about the team going to get him. And now, I, the question was about Chris Jones, not about the team, so that's also worth taking in. But I, again, I'm with you. This is a non-traditional point of reference for a player to talk to the media. This isn't what you normally get. This isn't at a press conference. This isn't with Chiefs PR team standing all around. This isn't with a bunch of reporters with microphones in his face. These are two brothers, two friends, sitting down and talking And this is what came out of it. And it went a lot farther than it would ever go in a traditional press setting, whether joking or not. Like, even if it was a joke, that would not be said at a press stand. So it's just, it was something that piqued my interest when I saw it. Like, it perked my ears up. I made you, like, I was the reason we were late because I made Kent, when he got in here, stop and go listen to it to see if this was something that, you know, was worth talking about or if I was reading too much into it. And the more I listened, there's there's something there. Like I'm not saying everybody feels like this. I'm not saying it's going to cause a problem for the teams, but at least one person is like, hey, I don't understand what's going on. We'd really like you to come back. Can you please do it? And if that gets met with deaf ears, not that he couldn't just pick up a phone and call him anyway, don't get me wrong, but this is now out there in the public. This is now for everyone to see a plea being made out in the open for a guy to come back. If it's not met, I just wonder how that does have a eventual like impact on the rest of the team. And I would encourage everyone to go and listen to yourself and formulate your own opinion on it. Uh, because like, you know, you can you can read into it as much as you'd like. Um, I'm listening to it and I have, you know, it feels like one of the leaders of the team is expressing some level of confusion, concern. I don't know, but I'm I'm not gonna go to the line of frustration frustration, but I'm sure, you know, you can associate that emotion with, you know, not having one of your, you know, best players in camp um but it it does seem like if you kind of read some of the tone i I, you know it it doesn't seem great now it's we've heard mahomes talk uh about chris jones recently and it was very it didn't it didn't cross it didn't touch any of these any of these sentiments at all right he stayed out of it mahomes said i'm I'm staying out of it and i don't think travis kelsey's in the weeds by any stretch of the word but you know mahomes you know, to to the press, just basically said, you know, I just tell him I love him. You know, he's he's not staying, he's staying out of it, but he stays in touch. He talks to him. I don't know, like what Travis and, and Chris are, you know, saying how much they're talking, but I mean, it, this one's hard to ignore. It's just hard to ignore. 
Like this is, I've not seen this. I don't think I've ever seen something like this, if I'm being honest. Now, to be fair, I've never seen, uh, you know, a, a pair of players have the one of the best podcasts, if not the best podcast in the sports space either. So like, there's also that to be said. But man, like, mm. this is, this is uh, not good. It's not good. Yeah. So, I mean, for anybody that hasn't listened to it, the newest episode of New Heights is available. It's towards, you know, I don't know, towards the middle, towards the end of the podcast. I've just seen the clip. I haven't got to listen to the whole thing yet, but go to it. Listen, Jason and Travis talk about Chris Jones. It's a segment. It's a little bit longer than the bit that we were talking about for 30 seconds. But like Ken said, listen to it yourself. You can form any opinion you want based on that. It's just, you know, our general takeaway was like, that's that's more than you're ever going to get from a player talking about another player who is in the midst of a holdout or a contract negotiation. And I think the fact that this is drug along for months and we are now seven days away from the season actually starting, I think that weighs into the fact that this did, you know, maybe boil over again, joking, not joking, whatever. It's like, it's just, it was very interesting. It's coming out at a very interesting time. And now there is this public uh, plea from a current player, from a leader, from one of the the most important players on the Chiefs saying, hey, can you please come back here? And like, at no point in time did it say, get your money and then come back. It was always just, please come back. I want to win another Super Bowl and we need you to do it. That's now out in the pub. That's out for everyone. Everyone now hears that, including Chris Jones. Granted, like I said, Kelsey can pick up a phone and call him anytime he wants, but now the whole world knows that he has talked to him and said those words to him. That's just another extra level of pressure. Mahomes, when he gets up on you know the podium, he has never made it such a direct, pointed message to Chris Jones to come back and play. It's a different scenario being up there on the press on the podium versus your own podcast, but like it had this is now out in the public, so it's going to be something worth monitoring. I think going forward, I'll I'll say this too. Um, they the the Kelsey brothers are very good at this podcasting thing. They have a level of organization to what they do. Like they know what they want to talk about. They have some structure. New news. Like they they have some structure to what they do. And I'm sure it was talked about whether or not they want to talk about Chris before that show, you know, before they sat down to talk about that show. I wouldn't even be stunned. I mean, Jason teed Travis up. Do you think Jason would tee Travis up for something surprising? Yes, I absolutely do. I absolutely think you th- think that Jason Kelsey would pull a Maddie to Kent out of the blue in the middle of a podcast, and they would just I, cut it out. I think they would cut it after if they didn't like it. I do think that, but I do think yes, he would one hundred percent throw him a curveball in the middle of a podcast. I don't know, man. I think they. I think there's some stuff that's off. I, I think there's some stuff that can be off topic or off subject for them. That's all. I, I genuinely do. Like, I think there is. There's not a ton of boundaries. Don't get me wrong. But like I, I don't know. This is something that typically the Chiefs don't prefer their players saying anything about, and now the, and now one of their players has said something about it, and that's worth noting, especially when it's the gravity of something like Travis Kelsey, and especially with the platform that Travis Kelsey has. Like that's the other piece. This he has the best football podcast in the world, and and he just he has a thirty second clip that's going to have a lot of Casey talking. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. 
As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're moving on from Travis Kelsey's co- comments about Chris Jones. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple new additions to the Kansas City Chiefs. Since we've last talked, Chiefs have made a trade. They've also made a waiver claim. And Maddie Lane, I'm so glad you are here today. Oh, to, boy. To talk about the defensive tackle that the Chiefs traded a 2024 sixth-round pick to that comes from their divisional opponent, Neil Farrell Jr., LSU defensive tackle, 2022 draft pick, is a Kansas City Chief, a fourth-round pick in 2022. You've done the film review on him. I want to know what you think about Neil Farrell. I have. Um, I, I think I've done the, the film review on him twice, actually, for the KCSN draft guide two years ago, like the, the year before he came out, and then now in uh, writing something on you know, kcsn.substack.com. Go check it out. I wrote a little bit about the trade, what Neil Farrell brings, and what it might signal the Chiefs are trying to do to counter a potential Chris Jones missing time. Not that he will, but if Chris Jones misses time, how Neil Farrell can kind of fit into that. So I think we have to kind of start with with who Neil Farrell is as a player. He's a nose tackle. There's no two ways about it. Guy's 330 pounds. He lost 10 pounds from last year to this year. He's still 330 pounds or just a shade under. He's a big guy. He's not the most athletic. He is a true nose tackle. He sits in the middle of the field. He dominates one-on-one blocks. He does a good job against double teams. He eats up space. He wins versus the run. The Chiefs have a couple guys like that. Derek Nottie, that's like his exact MO. Keandre Coburn, that's what you hope he can turn into. Even on the practice squad, Danny Shelton, also similar skill set. I'd say where Farrell kind of 
differentiates himself. It's kind of, he's more like Derek Nottie than Coburn or Danny Shelton. Shelton and Coburn have a little bit of a first step. They can insert themselves into a gap. They can show a presence and kind of shoot into the backfield. Neil Farrell Jr., Derek Nottie, they ain't going to do that. These two guys are going to take up space. They're going to dominate the blocker in front of them. They're going to use their strength, their power, and their balance to create extension and play the run. So I do think the Chiefs found a body type that they like. They like what Derek Nottie brings, and I don't know if they think he's the guy forever for them, hence the one-year deal when he came back. Neil Farrell Jr. is a very similar skill set to Derek Nottie, different body type, being mm-hmm. you know, six foot four, 330 pounds, but similar skill set. So he's that type of player. Just envision a Derek Nottie type player with Neil Farrell Jr., and I think that's what you get. It's just interesting seeing so many nose tackles on one roster for the Chiefs right now. Well, and I'll, I'll just say, it's funny you talk about Neil, like uh, Derek Nottie. Neil Farrell Jr., when I'm looking at his relative athletic score, he scores very similarly to a Derek Nottie in that just a lot of low produced, like just low athleticism metrics. So Neil Farrell is uh, a, by by relative athletic score, is a poor athlete. Um, it shows up on tape. Like, yeah, it's, it's similar no to what Derek the Bush. It, yeah, it's similar to what Derek Nottie. But as a guy that can hold the point of attack, a big body, strong strength that can that can hold the point of attack, that's that's the value of a Neil Farrell, a, a true one tech nose type player. To your point, it is fascinating. I mean, Danny Shelton. We'll talk. I, we might talk about Danny Shelton here in a little bit. Um, but the Chiefs, you're absolutely right. They are definitely going for a lot bigger profile along the interior. Keandre Coburn definitely like as as for guys along the interior or in, in along the interior of their defensive line right now. Keandre Coburn is the best moving big body. Uh, you know maybe they're thinking about him as a three tech on base downs early without a Chris Jones, and you're looking at Neil Farrell and, and Derek Nadi contributing. You know as a one tech. Me and Craig talked a little bit. I think maybe you were. I can't remember if you were here or not. I don't remember, but. You know, Steve Spagnolo's, you know, historic preferences along the interior t- kind of look physically more like what the Chiefs have right now. Maybe not as much upfield presence, you know, along their interior defensive line, but a lot of bigger bodies capable of stopping the run. And maybe they're going to try to play like that in the absence of Chris Jones. Yeah, and that's the direction that, like, I kind of ended the the film review of Farrell with. Maybe I should have read it. Was, okay... The Chiefs now have at least three deep of nose tackles, potentially four if they're going to call up Danny Shelton for game days, right? And I think they're different types of nose tackles. Coburn and Danny Shelton can give you a little bit of upfield ability. Theoretically, you would put those guys at three tech, let them show presence in the gap a little bit, and you would let a Farrell Jr. or a Derek Nottie sit at one tech. The thing that intrigued me, though, the Raiders were given Neil Farrell Jr. a lot of reps at three tech this preseason. That's actually where he spent the majority of his time this preseason. He still didn't get into gaps. But what it did allow, because the three tech, you know, for, if you're not aware, a one tech or zero tech is lining up over the center or in between the center and the guard. You're going to get a lot of double teams there. And that's what you're supposed to do is eat up that space. As a three tech, you're out the side between the guard and the tackle. And the run game, that equates to a lot more blocks, usually from a guard. With Neil Farrell Jr., when he gets a single block from a guard, he's going to win the rep. He's going to control that block. He's going to create extension. And what he's really good at doing is playing a gap and a half off that. So he'll get his body to one side of the blocker, but peek around him. And if he has to disengage back to the other side, he can do it. But they played him at three tech a lot. And that got him more one-on-one block. And he was a lot better in that role. 
he struggles a little bit with his body control and lack of athleticism to get off double teams. He can hold this ground, but he's not going to get off double teams very well. He's not going to split them and make a lot of plays on the ball. So I think it's interesting that the Chiefs have so many nose tackles and then they go out and trade for a guy who, while a nose tackle body type, got a lot of run as a three tech. And he might be a little better there, even if that doesn't seem like your traditional three tech spot. So I wonder if he gets more of those those kinds of reps to your ultimate point of stopping the run. They're just trying to isolate him one-on-one with guards and let him control that block entirely, control a gap and a half, even though it's a three-tech spot, and really shut down the run on early downs so that Steve Spagnuolo can move Mike Dana around, can get Felix on the field, can get George Karloff this stunting, can bring his blitzes from the second level, stop the run early, blitz on third down. That might be your recipe to make up for no Chris Jones. Yeah, it's 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 a throwback Spagnolo without a Chris Jones kind of kind of philosophy. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be stout in the middle. We're gonna play the run well, and then here come all of the defensive ends to play NASCAR on third and long. And you know what? You want a Super Bowl doing that too? <laughs> I mean, this dude knows what he's doing with that. So like, yeah. I, I, the thing is, like, you're not gonna replace Chris Jones. Chris Jones, like we talked about, is he's not like the ideal scheme fit for Steve Spagnolo historically. The Chiefs have obviously figured some things out, you know, to accentuate the strengths of one of the best defensive players in all football. But there is a there is a history here with Steve Spagnolo operating a little bit differently. And so it'd be fascinating to see what their approach is if they are planning on having Chris Jones absent for games. And this is a step towards doing that. Um is it a little surprising? Uh, yeah, I was still a little surprised that they did it, but I think when you look at where everything kind of shook out when it was all said and done, you know, with the 53-man roster, kind of makes sense. Especially, you know, like the, the three-tech background could be, you know, another valuable another valuable piece to all this. Do you think he's playing week, what, week one, Maddie? Do you think he gets in there week one? I mean... So the Chiefs have made some roster moves, right? We're going to talk more about the rest of this lately, right? But the Chiefs went ahead and cut Matt Dickerson to make space for Darius Rush, uh, a cornerback. So that leaves them with only four defensive tackles on the 53-man roster. And one of those is Tershawn Wharton, who is definitely not a run defender. The Chiefs have the ability to call up Danny Shelton from the practice squad for a game. They can do that, what, three times, I believe it is? Yes, So they have the ability to add another guy, and that would cover the gap of maybe a Neil Farrell not being ready. But I bet he dresses. I bet he's at least ready to go in the game and has a very specific set of snaps or plays that he's going to be out there because they just they need the bodies. One injury to that defensive tackle room, Derek Nadi gets hurt. Even if you call up Danny Shelton, if Derek Nadi gets hurt, that means your entire defensive tackle room played like what seven total snaps for you last year between Danny Shelton and Tershawn Wharton. It's a lot. Like if it's if a lot of snaps there. missing. Yeah. Right. So it's just I think he will be dressed and ready to play. I don't know if they want to use him early. I honestly wonder if this is also a bit more of a long-term move too. being sure. a Derek Nottie replacement, fourth-round pick just two years ago. They might have really liked him. So I, I think he plays, but I wonder if this is a little bit more of a long-term move than it was a immediate reaction. It's a probably a both, and I was going to add that. Like I just, yeah, the good news is Neil Farrell is a chief for the next three seasons uh, if he continues to play. Uh, at a level that warrants a 53-man roster spot. So they have some flexibility, some club control there for him now. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 
in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple years. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. That is code KCSN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Maddie, the Chiefs make the trade. Um, And honestly, I'll say this. If you told me that the Chiefs made a waiver claim on the cornerback position, if you told me that two months ago, I would have been a little bit surprised just because, you know, you've got a deep roster of young players that they like. You, Why would they add another young player to the mix? Yada, 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 all these. But there's uncertainty with some injuries. There has been, you know, Nick Jones injury, obviously the Jerry Steed injury. They've been challenging Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson by all indications in training camp. And now here comes Darius Rush into the mix. Fifth round pick, a guy we had a fourth gra- fourth round grade on the KCSN draft guy. Uh, so hey, lucky for you, I also was the guy that did the uh, Darius Rush uh, review. And this right is going show, great. This is, this is the perfect show for me to be on. Um, Darius Rush for me was a uh, uh, fifth round grade until the athletic testing came in that bumped him up. I was a little bit lower. I, I was lower on him than a lot of other people in the draft community were. I think people saw him dominate and look really good at the Senior Bowl and really started to shoot him up their draft boards. They saw the athleticism. They saw some of the flash plays and really liked it. I saw a guy that was very raw. That started. He played wide receiver when he got to South Carolina for two years. He was a special teamer and a wide receiver. It took him a while to move to quarterback. And then obviously he's still working out the technical aspect of the game. He's trying to figure out how to play corner. And it sounds like that was the issue he had with the Colts in the preseason. He played very high. His technique and his backpedal and his transitions was poor. And he did a very bad job reading like route distributions or recognizing routes and was getting torched by double moves quite a bit. So I'm not surprised that he struggled in the preseason. I am surprised a team took him in the fifth round and then already cut bait though. This is a very athletic guy that's six foot two, 200 pounds with long arms and has all the physical traits you want. And you're just, and is a good special teams player. And you're just going to cut him because he struggled a little bit in his first season. Very surprised he made the waiver wire order. I'm kicking myself for only putting him as a medium fit for the Chiefs because he's exactly what the Chiefs like at the cornerback position. Brett Veach got up there on the podium or got there in his presser on his little Zoom and said exactly that. He fits all the stuff we like out of a cornerback for this team. It's like, I am mad at myself for making it a medium fit. I think it's because what you said, I thought the secondary was relatively set in stone. I thought they were good there. But like, he's a perfect fit for what the Chiefs want to do. Where he develops, how he develops is up in the air, but that kind of frame, that body type, that athleticism is something the Chiefs really like at the position. Do you remember the Do you remember the comp you gave him? Um, yes. Uh, uh, other former Chief, which is again, this goes back to the thing. I should have never put him as a as a medium guy. Vicarious Keys, aka Keys. Yeah, I think what we've learned for the KCSN draft guide moving forward is maybe the the need won't always be there for a cornerback in our eyes. But if the profile fits, they still might take a swing. Because even this year, they go out and grab a Nick Jones. 
So they, I feel like they like, they, they, I feel like they have a beat on something that they like with day three cornerbacks in the draft. They feel like that's a sweet spot for them is kind of what it feels like because they went back and they, I mean, they've had a lot of success there. Legereus. Can I answer this? Can I answer this real quick? Sorry. Go. Um, he was a high tier two. He was about as high of a tier two C-bat as you can get without being a tier one. He didn't do his agilities, so that probably would have pulled him down a little bit more. But still, very, very good athlete. Uh, Craig Kish kind of shared that in the KCS and Discord. He is a very, very high tier two athlete, which bodes well. You know, Those guys have a chance to hit very well in the NFL. Uh, not quite tier one, but close. And Sorry, just, just, no, just as a reminder, cornerback athletic testing is a metric that Craig kind of created. It's a study of cornerbacks and their success in the NFL relative to um, their athletic testing. Uh, and honestly, regardless of round, there's been some indicators of, of some high testing metrics that he's been able to pull out that have shown a, a pretty good trend. Nazi Johnson was a seventh round pick last year. He was a tier one cornerback at athletic CBAT and he was making some waves in training camp this year. There's been some other hits that you can kind of check out. Uh, in the, I, by the case, he isn't draft guy next year. Or Darius just... Rush is third. Uh, third highest C-bat of all the Chiefs corners. Legereus Sneed is a tier one. Quite high up there, too. Nizzi Johnson, also a tier one. Then it would have been Darius Rush as a very high tier two. Jalen Watson, Shamari Connor. I won't read the whole list for you guys, but just so t- noting that he's a very good athlete and the Chiefs do happen to lean into some good athletes at the cornerback position. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Darius Rush is in the mix. You said special teams. That's going to be very valuable for him early on, I would anticipate. But also just continuing to bet on those kind of guys. Like the Chiefs definitely have invested in longer arm bigger cornerbacks in recent memory and they've had a lot of success doing it you know joshua williams jalen watson this is a guy that can play on the outside for them um he's got the physical profile and he's got like this is i I say i make i make this comment a lot he has the ability to play special teams that will keep him around long enough to develop as a defensive player potentially so that's going to be fascinating to me because i've been cautious about the roster construction for the 53-man roster because of the special team's influence. And honestly, like I'm not too I I'm I'm not beat up about anything that happened with the 53-man roster, but it is interesting to see um it is interesting to see the Chiefs go and make a claim for a cornerback. Uh just from where we felt it was like a set it and forget it position just a couple months ago because of how well the young cornerbacks played just a couple months ago. Yeah, and I mean, like, we talked about it a couple times, but, like, it's been pretty clear the Chiefs feel their quarterback room isn't as settled as we as fans thought. We all saw Jalen Watson play really well last year for a seventh-round pick and thought he would only get a little bit better, but at worst-case scenario, that was his floor. And Joshua Williams, a more raw quarterback, would only continue to get better and ascend, and maybe Nazee Johnson, who was a very developmental quarterback, cornerback, would start to put it all together. They didn't get, well, they might have gotten Izzy Johnson. Like he might have been on his way there, but it doesn't sound like Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson really took that big step if you were to listen to Steve Spagnolo or Dave Merritt. In fact, Jalen Watson's not getting any first team defensive reps in the preseason these past two weeks. They are keeping him out of the nickel. Maybe they're testing stuff out with Chamari Connor and playing bigger, and there's no luxurious need, so it's just different. But he's not getting any first team defensive reps. It's been all Joshua Williams. So, like, it's just this cornerback room seems, I don't want to say thin, because they still have Trent McDuffie. 
it sounds like Legereus Sneed is healthy if you're going to take Brett Veach, you know, at his word that Legereus Sneed is going to be healthy and is going to be ready for, you know, this season to start. And they do have Williams. They do have Watson, who played last year. Nick Jones didn't need surgery and was making waves early in training camp. It's just there's a lot less certainty. The floor is a lot lower. The floor is it's like three day three quarterbacks competing to be the third quarter spot, right? Like that's what the floor of it was. And maybe that's how these guys were kind of playing in training camp. So you bring in somebody else like Rush once he hits waivers. You just bolster the position with another guy of that physical profile. Now you add more competition. Now you get another player in there. And to your point, special teams matters for this team. Special teams didn't look always great for them in the preseason. Maybe Darius Rush is a guy they like that film on too. And he starts to make a big role there. We've talked about it a lot. Losing Chris, uh, not Chris Lamont. Yeah, losing Lamont's last year. That's a lot of special teams reps down the drain. Losing to Z Johnson to injury. That's special teams reps down the drain. They might have needed another guy there in the secondary to really do that. And this might mean you don't, have to have Dion Bush back every single week if you're the Chiefs. I, uh, speaking of special teams, I just did a quick search to see if I could find any update on Marcus Kemp. I don't believe he's signed with anybody yet, but man, I would be stunned if he's not on the practice squad very quickly. Uh, we can talk about the practice squad a little bit too, though. Um, Chiefs have obviously cut down to the 53-man roster. Um, there's some, I mean, I, any any big sweeping 53-man thoughts, Maddie? Um, I mean, no, not stuff that we haven't kind of already talked about. I was, I'm still very surprised at two quarterbacks, three running backs and three tight ends, right? That still surprises me a little bit. Um, I think Brett Veach specifically saying, you know, that the Chiefs lost some red zone juice without Jody Fortson and it messed with their red zone plays and then talking up Justin Ross as being a big bodied guy. It seems pretty clear that Justin Ross as a package player, Brett Veach's words, is going to get some of those Jetty, Jody Fortson-type reps in the red zone. So maybe that covers for not having a fourth tight end, right? Maybe that covers where they saw the need for a fourth tight end. But that combination, nine roster spots on quarterback, running back, and or sorry, eight roster spots on quarterback, running back, and tight end really caught me off guard. But I guess to make rooms for all those wide receivers and offensive linemen, they had to? Yeah. Uh, that... Uh... Offensive, nothing too crazy, you know. I think the good news is, is like we talked about, like maybe Blake Bell's a guy that, you know, you cut and then you bring back immediately after you IR somebody. The Chiefs haven't had to IR anybody, and that's great news, especially when it comes to someone like Legereus Sneed, who's one of the better players on the defensive side of the ball. Nothing super surprising on offense. Good on Cam Jones. Like, shout out Cam Jones for being linebacker six and making the roster. I think that's definitely a special teams value. Hey, all that one. I I like Cam Jones. Um, I like Cam Jones and Isaiah Moore. They both were different kind of players. Like, Cam Jones is definitely a later in the downs kind of linebacker, and Isaiah Moore is more your throwback, you know, first and second down type player. Um, but I thought both of them maybe had a chance to, you know, stick on special teams. Cam Jones is the prototypical, hey, earn your spot on special teams and develop and maybe you get more opportunities in the roster. If you're watching, sorry, my allergies are acting up in a big way, so I do apologize for that. Um, no, I it's like, just really sad that Cam Jones made the roster. Yeah, I know. I It's just, it's bad right now. But um, I think Cam's jo- Cam Jones presents more upside as a true linebacker than Jack Cochran does. And so that's someone I'm excited that the Chiefs were able to get on the roster and develop. I think that's very important. But yeah, nothing too crazy, or, you know, outside of that. I do want to talk about, like, special, you know, the special teams. I do want to say something really quick. I don't get too beat up when a Danny Shelton gets released. I do. 
Let me let me let me cook for a second, Matthew. Let me cook. The Chiefs have a good pulse on things typically, and most teams have a good pulse on things. They know who they probably are going to lose and probably aren't going to lose. They know they have a good feel for relationships within the building or with the individual players. So they kind of have a good pulse on, you know, who's going to get, who's going to clear, who's going to not. I think they had a good pulse on who was going to clear with the likes of Dion Bush, with the likes of Danny Shelton, because Danny Shelton and Dion Bush, two guys that one, Danny Shelton probably pretty, I mean, he earned a 53 man roster spot the way he played. And Dion Bush was a special teams contributor for this team last year. Both are on the special on the on the practice squad, going the way of the Austin Riders, who was a Super Bowl winning center and is just now hanging out in Kansas City on the practice squad for the last couple of years. The Chiefs had a good pulse on this, and they've been rewarded by the a couple of players that I'm sure they wanted back on the practice squad being available. I'm gonna use it's a very disrespectful word, but like inventory for elevation to the practice squad during regular season games. That's a valuable asset to have for this team. I could see Danny Shelton. I could see Dion Bush called up for special teams contrib- contribution very quickly. Yeah, and that's where it gets tricky now with the way the NFL is set up to where you can call up these practice squad players for three different games. Like, there's not even necessarily a rush to put them back on your 53-man roster, right? So even if we're we'll use Danny Shelton because we're talking about him and because I believe that he's still the best nose tackle on this team. At least that's the way he's playing right now. They can call him up three times before they have to put him on the roster to play him. He can literally be called up from the practice squad and play more snaps than any other defensive tackle on the roster. That's completely allowed. So why not do that if he, if you're going to have him in that role, right? If he is willing to take that role, if no other team is trying to sign him or he doesn't want to go to another team yeah. and would rather be okay doing that, then have at it, right? Then just do it. And maybe at the end of those three weeks, then he comes up to the 53-man roster because you have an injury or because somebody just isn't quite where you want them to be. It's like the new rules with that make it a little bit tricky to get too upset with certain guys not making the team, especially if they get back on the practice squad. I just thought it was an interesting risk, right? Obviously, they were correct. He's back. He didn't have to go through waivers. They got to immediately sign him back on the practice squad, right? So like, if they worked out well for them, it just seemed like an un- an unnecessary risk that I thought. So I hope he gets to come out and play some reps because I think he deserves it. I think there's some other guys in the practice squad that might get called up throughout you know the season that might be called up pretty early on. But I think Danny Shelton was the first guy that really jumped to my mind in that regard, um, just in terms of being a guy that fits kind of that uh, that pathway or that narrative. Well, and the good thing with Danny Shelton is is he was a guy that was not subject to waivers. He was a free agent, and so. For him, if the Chiefs have a good relationship with Danny Shelton, Danny Shelton seems like Danny Shelton credits, you know, his time in Kansas City as, you know, loving, you know, falling back in love with football and all those kind of things. So it's like, hey, you know, he has some level of fondness to Kansas City. He might be more interested at this point in his career in staying in Kansas City, knowing that there's probably going to be an opportunity at some point for him to be, and maybe it's quickly. It, it seems like it was, you know, if, if they felt like they had that good a re- relationship and communication with Danny Shelton and his people, maybe they they knew they were going to be able to get him back on the practice squad, even if someone came with, you know, a, a little bit of money, you know? And that's where it, you, you kind of got to see the full picture these days with the National Football League when it comes to the practice squad. Because I feel like, you know, guys like Austin Ryder and Danny Shelton, it feels like it's good relationships, breeding opportunities, 
to just come back here, be in the building and get elevated for certain times whenever it's needed. So that was good to see. Um, Daenerys Prince, like, hey, look, I'll say this too. They got they got things right with Daenerys Prince, Prince and LaMichael P. Ryan. You know, we talked about four running backs and we probably spent too much time talking about four running backs. I think a lot of people did because I think it was Daenerys Prince intensive where, you know, um, if they were keeping four, it was because Daenerys Prince is showing some stuff, right? And yeah, and, yeah. So I, I, they, they got it right with the running backs too. And I think part of that too, and I'm not, I don't think it changed last second. I feel like this is something that they probably thought going into it. But look around the NFL right now. There's plenty of players on teams' practice squads that play the running back position that mm-hmm. the Chiefs would probably feel confident signing on a week's notice. Hey, Derek Gore. <laughs> hey, Davis. You know, Marcus Kemp. There is guys out there that play running back that have been with the Chiefs. If they need Melvin Gordon, if they need to come back here just in a, on a in a pinch, they'd feel okay with it. So I don't feel like they saw enough from Prince or P Ryan to say we have to use a roster spot on you. We are comfortable with waiting to see if you make our practice squad because one, we think you will, and two, if you don't, there's other guys available that can give us enough of what you do not be worth the roster spot. It sounds cold. It sounds cutthroat. That's that's NFL football. That's roster construction. And they they were right though, right? I mean, like at the end of the day, they were right. There's plenty of running back talent out there and available. So if the Chiefs need it, if there's an injury, if Pacheco isn't able to go, if Jared McKinnon gets hurt, they will 100 percent bring one of those guys up. They will sign somebody off another practice squad. I we all did it. Shout out to Tucker. Tucker D. Franklin stands for uh Tucker Nostradamus Franklin. Cause the D stands for Nostradamus. Yes, he said it. He said, "Why are we? Why are we giving the Chiefs four running backs? Why? There's, what's the reason for it?" And he was right. There was just the we spent as all of us, not just us, but like all fans, spent too much time talking about it. When at the end of the day, if they don't get Lamichael P. Ryan. Who, I don't mean this in a bad, but who is asleep? The team doesn't. Yeah. No. You're. I mean, you're. You're right. Uh, any Any other big sweeping thoughts on the practice squad before we get out of here, Maddie? Um, what is some, I mean, do they have any other big, they signed, um, former, um, Washington Husky, Keith Taylor, former teammate of, uh, Trent McDuffie to the practice squad. He was a guy that Craig and I both liked a little bit coming out of Washington, a bigger, more physical corner. Another guy that kind of fits the prototype that the chiefs like at that position. Um, so I was, you know, not surprised. I wouldn't say surprised or anything, but like, I thought that was a nice little signing that they made to it. It sounds like most other fan favorites, the chiefs, the chiefs fans wanted came back. I do think we got to talk about one thing, though, Kent. Shane Michelle is no longer in Kansas City. Yeah. He's on a different practice squad. He's with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I we, We'll never know, truly, if the Chiefs tried to bring him back to the practice squad or if they didn't and he chose somewhere else. Uh, what, what do you think? How do you think that played out when they decided to keep two quarterbacks with the second one being Blaine Gabbert and with what do you think they tried to do with Shane Michelle? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um... I think it's. I think Shane had options, so I do think there's part of that there. And you know, the Chiefs have been intentional. Like we've talked about, the Chiefs. The Chiefs saw something in Shane Bouchelle. We may 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 or may not have, you know, seen it. And we saw it for, you know, we saw it for ten ten passes against the Arizona Cardinals, and then everything else has kind of been a little bit up and down. Um, but I, he had options, and I think maybe he wanted to try to spread his wings somewhere else. Because, you know, 
it kind of seems like the Chiefs have been able to funnel backup quarterbacks over him the last couple years. They've been intentional about keeping him. They've tried to give him a shot. And honestly, he just he man, he struggled mightily. He struggled mightily in that in that third game. And it was things that he was late on a lot of stuff. He trusted his arm talent too much. He got guys put guys at risk a lot in that game three. And so I just wonder if, you know, it was just time for the Chiefs to move on and time for him to move on and try to find something else. You know, there were some good moments and there were some great moments in week two, but week three was just so brutal. And I think I think the Chiefs did the right thing moving on. I think they've seen what they need to see. And I'm I'll tell you what, I'm a little excited Chris Olodokin's in, in town. I I I, I think he's we a won. fun we guy to have on the practice squad. We call him Goku here. Um that's that's now the move. He he is known as Goku. I've been saying yeah. that recently in the DMs. I'm like, huh? Yeah, you're not in the Discord ever, so you don't know, but we call him Goku there. Um, I'm working on it. So the point is, like, for me, it's this. Shea Buchel hasn't changed since he's been in Kansas City. I get that there's some flashes there. I think the flashes get less and less, and the negative flashes get more and more when you put it up against better competition. That's why he looks really good in the preseason when he's playing later in games. As you saw him move up towards starters in that Cleveland game, it got dicier, but the same struggles are there. Late on some passes, uh, erratic accuracy, tries to force balls he couldn't, and I don't know if he always reads the game out correctly. So I just, I don't think he showed the signs of progression the Chiefs wanted to see, and I think that's why he wasn't the QB too. If he did show those signs, if he developed, I almost guarantee he would have been. Yeah. So for someone like Goku to be brought back to the practice squad, I like him there because I think the physical traits alone are enough to be intriguing. And if you go two more preseasons and he works his way up to QB2, you're looking at a Kevin Kolb situation. Buchel was never getting there. Buchel was never getting to the point where I think you could ever trade him for any kind of draft capital. I think Goku has the physical traits that if the <laughs> mental side catches up, he can be there. I'm not saying he will be. There's a long way to go mentally. We saw that in that first preseason game. There's stuff, There's mistakes. Pre-snap, post-snap, that got to be ironed out. But he's young. He didn't come from the top of tiers level of football competition if Andy Reid gets him there with his physical talent he might net the Chiefs something in return I know there's a hot topic everybody likes to trade their backup non-starting quarterbacks for draft capital Andy Reid's done it before and I think Goku has a chance to get there because of the physical traits it doesn't happen very often let's be let's be candid here too it doesn't happen very often that you're able to flip your uh your backup quarterback for assets but it does happen from time to time yeah Chris Villadokin is still 25 years old um, and he's fun. I, I very much enjoy watching him play football. Um, there's definitely some stuff to iron out, like you said, but I mean, he's a talented dude and it's, it's definitely like, it's, it's, I'm glad that they kept him around. Interesting roster. Con- you, oh, yeah. Sorry. I, was, I want to ask you a question before we get out of here. Sure. I didn't know how quickly you were going to close it up. You like to close it real fast without letting me get back in here. Um, yeah. One player, who is the one player on the Chiefs practice squad that you think will make the biggest impact on the Chiefs' actual roster this year? Um, Let's go Deion Bush because I think I think he's going to be one of the early elevations for special teams pur- purposes because there is a lot of unproven, a lot of change on the special team side, and I think he's probably going to be a guy that gets called up early in the process. I think Danny Shelton is the same case. Uh, I think yeah. both of those are the the two leading candidates. If you're asking me, uh, but give me Dion Bush, give me Dion Bush for this one. Um, you, yeah, I'm, 
I, I think that one and Danny Shelton are the right two answers. Like right, those two are going to be correct. I, w- I would say the next guy, Matt Bushman, I guess would be next in line or Garrett Prince. I, has Garrett Prince officially been signed yet? I know. I was going to I was going to shout out Garrett Prince real quick. Um, it's a guy that we talked. Yeah. It's a local kid. We talked to him at the shrine bowl two years ago. Um, I'm, I'm excited for him. You know, he, he was a, you know, he modeled his game after Travis Kelsey, like a lot of tight ends do, but, you know, he grew up a diehard Chiefs fan. Um, he told us that when we talked. I actually I, I checked out the video the other day and I mean he's a he was a diehard Chiefs fan growing up like anybody in Johnson County would be, uh, unless you're insane. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for him to be here. He's an interesting cat. Like I think he's more uh receiver than he is, you know, inline blocker. But as far as a guy that can, you know, cover some ground, that can run the deep over if you want to try to ask a tight end to do something like that, get up the field, run the seam, natural hands catcher. He's He's got some stuff there to work with, so I'm really excited to see him. Yeah, I want to see him or Matt Bushman. They're one tight end to injury away to any of them from having to elevate somebody, like having to. So Garrett Prince, if he gets caught up, or Matt Bushman because he's been here, are a dark horse for this. I didn't want to answer this question. Lions fan coming to town, which barbecue place should they try, Kent? Chef J, KC. Go to Chef J. If this isn't off the beaten, it's not this. It's not going to be. You're not going to have the line at Joe's. You're not going to have the line at some of your other places. But but Chef J is doing something special there that you need to check out. It's in the West Bottoms. It opens at 11:30. Get there at 11:15. You're not going to have to wait too long, and you are going to get some absolutely delicious barbecue. So go check out Chef J. If not, Heart Barbecue is not too far from the stadiums as well. So I'm not just giving you just the standards, you know, they're all great. You're not going to, you're not going to have a hard time finding a good barbecue spot in, in Kansas city, KC, but let's go chef Jay or Hart for this one. That is going to do it for the KC laboratory. Nope. You're done. Matthew. Good night. Catch me Mitch in the airport. Meet Mitch in the airport on your way out. There, there's that too, <laughs> but thank you. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC sports network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.